Hello, and welcome back to the Break the Twitch podcast on doing more of what matters through minimalism, habits, and creativity. I am your host, Anthony Ungaro. In this episode, I have Anila Kumar joining me. Anila is the habit-aware co-founder, an entrepreneur, a mobile app designer, and mom to two little boys. Anila shares a secret she kept for 20 years and how it led to the creation of a unique smart bracelet. We discuss vulnerability, the importance of awareness, decluttering with kids, in addition to the reality of raising a family while running a startup. This podcast is made possible by the Break the Twitch member community. The member community is a way that you can support the work I'm doing with Break the Twitch, aka help keep this podcast going, and get access to a bunch of things that I'm creating for members. So there are audio courses designed to be listened to each morning to help start your day with intention. There's a private Slack channel where you can discuss anything you want around minimalism, habits, and creativity with other members and share things that you're working on, which has been a ton of fun so far. Basically, there's a bunch of benefits if you do support Break the Twitch in this podcast, and if my work has been meaningful to you in this way, I would greatly appreciate your support. You can learn more at breakthetwitch.com slash community. But for now, let's start the show. Anila, so I believe when we first met, it was sometime around 2014-ish. I'm putting a vague date on there. Yeah, probably. But it was at Startup Weekend. Yeah. And so I was doing some silly startup and you were doing a cool startup, (laughs) if I remember correctly. I don't think so. What were you working on? I, I think that was the year that I did something called This Shirt, That Tie. Oh, yeah. A style engine cool for men yep <laughs> to help decide what tie to wear yep um well, do you remember what do you remember what you were working on i was working on kid around which was a mobile app for kids mm-hmm. and parents to find cool things to do in their city and then take photos at those locations kind of like scavenger hunt style yeah and then at the end of it the goal was to create a photo book so that you know as a parent you didn't have to go sift through all those photos afterwards it just sort of did it for you yeah um so yeah, it was pretty fun you won we won you won yeah, the startup it was, weekend it was super exciting yeah it was like the first time i had shared that idea with anyone i'd had it for a really long time um yeah so it was exciting and it gave me the confidence to actually like try to make it happen yeah and did you continue working on i know i'm pretty sure yeah, you continued yep, working yeah. on it after i worked on it with one of the developers from that weekend for like about two no like about a year or a year and a half maybe Mm -hmm. um we got to the point of like proof of concept and a mobile app in both app stores um but then some other stuff happened so i had to kind of shift gears welcome to life you welcome to life yep yeah Yeah, that's how it goes was that one of your first entrepreneurial ventures of sorts yeah that was my first jump into wanting to do my own thing Um, but I don't know, I've grown up around entrepreneurship. Like my dad was his own business owner for his entire life. And even looking back, I finally just, it just clicked in my mind that my mom was her own business owner too, because I always saw her as a dentist, but it was her own office. She was managing, 
you know, everything from employees to patients to actually doing, you know, practicing dentistry. But it never clicked in my mind until very recently that, hey, she did that. She built that. She's an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, she's an entrepreneur too. Um, So very into that world. And I studied business to kind of try to, because I knew at some point I was going to do something on my own. Around when did you get that idea that you wanted to do something on your own? Or what was it that sort of started that engine? I think seeing my parents, like, honestly, when I was a kid, I was playing office. I was the kid that was pretending to own a ton of hotels around the world and cruise ships and, you know, putting out fire. Like, I don't even remember, but me and my friend would play office. We would play like, something's wrong on the cruise ship. We have to go see what's going on. Or I don't know. It was, whereas my sister grew up playing house and school and she studied and, you know, has a master's in education and is then became a full-time mom. And It's just just what I saw and what I started to emulate, I think. At what point in your life did your parents start their businesses or has, was it pretty much your whole life? Yeah, it was pretty much my whole life. They moved to the U.S. in 1975 with 500 bucks and one suitcase and got to work. Like, that was what they did. My mom... She took a couple of years to get her dental license here in New York, where we, where I grew up. Um, and then from there, one of her friends helped her start her practice. And then from there, she kind of took a leadership role in that practice and was part owner and like the managing partner of it, essentially. Yeah. And then my dad did work for other companies. We still are not quite sure exactly what he did. He passed away a really long time ago. Um, but he was in like imports and exports and... Yeah, he'd get to travel all over the world looking at products and bringing them back and vice versa. Wow. And then he went out on his own doing that. So he had a um, uh, an office in our basement. So it was kind of nice too because I'd come home from school, I'd run downstairs and say I'm home and he'd be like, that's cool. And then I'd go and watch TV <laughs> or do my homework or watch TV and do my homework at the same time. I don't think I could watch TV and do my homework. I had trouble just <laughs> even doing my homework. So I'm impressed <laughs> that you could do that. With the the first startup, you worked on that for a while and you said some things came up. What was the next thing for you? Well, for me specifically, at the same time that I was working on this app for kids, I um, some other stuff was going on personally in my life, um, namely that for a very long time I've had this mental health disorder where I pull out my hair and it's called trichotillomania. And for, since I've had that disorder since like my teens, I'd had hit it because if you, as someone going through this disorder, there's kind of a, a perception that it's a choice. And because of that perception and the shame associated with that and the judgment you receive when you do share, you kind of shut people out of that part of your life. So for 20 plus years, I shut people out of that part of my life. Wow. And as I'm working on Kid Around, you know, it's pretty stressful. And so I'm actually pulling out hair more than normal. I'd also just had my first son. So the hormonal component of that as well impacted my stress levels, which impacted my hair pulling and anxiety. And then one day my husband caught me without eyebrows. And I finally told my husband, who I had promised to spend the rest of my life with in sickness and in health, I finally shared my hair pulling secret with him. And from there, he and I set out on a journey to make me aware. And so we did research and we just thought, 
you know, we're sitting on the couch one day and I'm busy pulling, watching TV and he just gently grabs my hand and I just turned to him and said, I wish I had something that wasn't you that would yeah. just let me know when I'm doing this because it's so subconscious. It's so automatic. Even when the, the voice in my head was saying, oh, I just got to get that one, just got to get that one, like I kind of knew, but I didn't have that control. Hmm. And so we set on in this journey just for fun to see if we could build something, but that something became something. So we, I kind of had to put Kit around on the back burner because it just made more sense for me to spend my time on this other thing that while Kit around, I truly believe was solving a, a problem for parents and for kids, you know, connecting in real time, leveraging digital media for that and then also that you know how do you um keep track of all those memories you know otherwise they just go into their our photo library which is a cemetery <laughs> still very much believe that that's a problem to be solved but then this other thing just sort of evolved, kept evolving and when it was working for me and I was regrowing my hair I was becoming aware of where my hands were able to regrow my eyebrows and eyelashes, which were my main areas, it just felt like that needed to be in the world. And if I only had, you know, 24 hours in a day and part of it has to be sleeping, part of it has to be being with my family and part of it's working, I could not do both. So I had to, unfortunately, and sad, it was kind of like putting, you know, it's sort of like death. It's sort of putting like, how do you do rest. Yeah, putting something, lay it to rest. Um which took a really long time. I mean, I honestly took an extra year to even close the bank account because I was so emotionally attached to all the work and all the love that I gave that and all the hope that I had for that to be, you know, my mark on the world, mm -hmm. if you will. So what is this looking like now? And how long have you been working on this specific solution? Yeah, so we started ideating on this um, in late 2014. So I think actually the startup weekend was 2013. Okay, it must have been yeah. 2013. Because yep. it was much after. Um, and it looks like this now, which is the bracelet that I'm wearing. But when we started, it was a yellow snap slap bracelet and like just a, a PCB board on my wrist. It was, you know, just prototyping. Awesome. But, you know, we started in 2014. My husband and I, nights and weekends, we do not know how to code. We do not know how to make circuit boards. We just tried. And then we just went to the Minneapolis community, the entrepreneurship startup tech scene here. And I started sharing. I started telling people I have this disorder, which was holy cow, so hard. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> After hiding it for so long. But I couldn't tell people why we needed to build something without explaining why, right? Without people understanding that first. And I used to work out of a co-working space called Coco. Yeah. And I shared, which is now called Fueled Collective. But I started sharing with friends there. And then they, someone mentioned to me that there was a hackathon coming up. And so we tried to kind of post our project on this hardware IoT hackathon day and we started to meet people in the community that actually had the technical capabilities to make this thing happen. Hmm. And honestly, I would say luck and hard work have gotten us to where we are. Oh my gosh. And I don't know if you've ever read The Alchemist, but there's a line in the book which is, you know, if if the universe wants something in the world, it conspires to help you achieve it. 
And the doors have just kept opening for us. Like at that hackathon, just by chance, this gentleman was there interviewing at the place that was hosting the hackathon and just came up to Samir, who was doing the hack day, because I was on kid duty that day, and just said, hey, what are you guys working on? Can I help you? And that's John Pritchard, who is our lead hardware engineer. And then, you know, I mean, like just like literally just sent from the universe, like giant gift. We love you, John. <laughs> um, and in the same way, even our CTO, Kirk Cloby, who we met through Twitter, like what other chances I'm scanning Twitter, looking at a different sort of technology, thinking, oh, maybe we can apply this and try to do it. And then I just see this tweet from this guy who says, oh, I just got this, you know, my dev kit in the mail. Can't wait to hack on it. And then I look in the corner and it says, Hopkins, Minnesota. I'm oh, like, no shut up. This this guy lives like 15 minutes away. Samir, like, let's talk to him. Maybe he can help us, Our, you know? And he joined that hackathon team um, with Samir and John just showed up and the three of them worked together, built something that worked in like 20 hours, which is insane. And you know, we haven't looked back. Like we call him, my kids call them Uncle John and Uncle Kirk. And that's a sign of, you know, in our, in our, my culture, Indian culture, using those terms is a sign of respect, sign of, oh, you're part of our family. Mm. And it's truly been insanely amazing how we've just kind of had things sort of just open up for us. I keep seeing this theme of vulnerability, putting yourself out there, being willing to help and asking for help mm -hmm. and things sort of coming together because of that. And obviously there's so much hard work and it's so clear that you're putting in so much work to, to develop this, to put it out there. But you have this reason and you really stepped into the vulnerability, which I respect so much because it's, it's hard. I, myself, I bite my lip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll catch in my, in between takes yeah. of my videos, yep. I'll, I'll be sitting there thinking, mm -hmm. bite yep. my lip, bite my lip, yep. little things like that. Um, I've had in my whole life. Yep. And, and so I identify in part with some of what you're talking about here, where it's, it's, uh, it's hard, even when you acknowledge it. Mm hmm it's hard to just go, wait, wait, why am I doing this? Stop. And so that's something I myself have been working on for quite, quite a long time. So it's really cool that you stepped into this and, and really are helping people with this. That's thank you. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really been exciting. And that's exactly, you know, what you said about how do you stop? How do you ask those questions? And that's what the bracelet is doing is you train it for that behavior, whether it's pulling your hair or picking at your skin or biting your nails. And we, you know, if you maybe cheek bit like with your hand, you mm -hmm. could train it for that. Um, I also do that too. But yeah, so, you know, you train it for that behavior and then it sends that vibration, which is snaps you to a state of mind where you can actually then start asking those questions. Why am I doing this? Am I tired? Am I thirsty? Am I bored? Am I angry? You know, you can start getting to, am I anxious? Am I stressed? And once you can understand why you're doing it, then you can start learning to replace the behavior with something else. So when you catch yourself, you can just take a sip of water. You can go for a quick walk around the office or walk around, you know, the neighborhood and try to reset that nervous energy. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to help people with is that first step of awareness. And then it's the then what, and that's the next step of what we're trying to evolve our product to. Um, but without that awareness, you can't change.
And that's also in me sharing my story and getting over that hurdle of sharing my story and, you know, the judgment that comes with that. It's also about awareness, right? If I share my story, then I can hopefully reach people who don't know that what they're doing is a thing and that they're not alone and that there's a huge community of people that are suffering in the same ways that they are and that there are tools out there to help them. There's people out there to help them. There's mental health organizations out there to help them. So it's all about awareness. Let's dig into some of the habits that you were just talking about. Yeah. I want, I'd love to break that down a little bit more just about what are some of the, the, the daily habits mm-hmm. that help you with this, that, that help others with this, or just even things around work. What are some of the just daily kind of practices that you have in your life in general? <laughs> oh, let me just start by saying I don't have very many daily practices. <laughs> I am sort of, my life is pretty chaotic. We have a company that I'm running with my husband. So, you know, work-life balance is zero. We have a five-year-old and we have a one-and-a-half-year-old. And we just moved into a new house. So perfect. we are, you know, every night is chaos. But there's this, every day is chaos. Every night is chaos. But there's this hour and a half to two hours when we come home from work until we have bedtime that is just focused on our kids and I think that really helps us reset and sort of remember what's important in life and you know not that I sit and think oh this is so important right now but you know I mean so yesterday for example my I could hear my son telling my husband let's as soon as mama comes over here let's tickle her shh don't tell her so I came and I sat down and I was like hey what's going on like what are you guys doing and you know, I even like held my belly out a little because I knew what was coming <laughs> next. And they just like came and attacked me. And then our little one just came running and started, you know, getting in on the action. And oh. we're all like tickling each other. And it's that is the daily routine. Like that is the only thing that has to happen every day is that quality time with family. Everything else is just like shit show, if I'm allowed to say that. You are allowed to say that, yes. It <laughs> <laughs> is like... I mean, our sitter who comes in the mornings for the summer to watch the kids, she comes at eight o'clock and she is our alarm clock. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. But my husband and I are up till like one, two, sometimes three in the morning doing work because the day, there's just not enough time in the day. Yeah. Um, but there's things that we try. It's It kind of comes in cycles and in waves of using Pomodoro type productivity tools or um you know i have a little prayer area in my closet which i'll try to do or the i have my weights on top of my pajamas so i can get you know maybe five reps in of some exercise because there's i haven't found a way to kind of carve that time out for me but it's those little things that i try to do um that yeah so there's no daily routine. Every day is a completely different routine. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Uh, we don't have kids, so there's a whole other element. And and but Amy and I work together, and oh. we're up very late a lot of the time. Yeah. And and we are actively working to create some of that just day to day structure. And mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate you being honest with that because that's real. Like <laughs> that is yeah. so real. Uh, 
just what it looks like day to day. I mean, the people that talk about, oh, I get up at five in the morning and I do 20 minutes of meditation and then I read a book for 30 minutes and then I take a 30 minute hot shower. I'm like, you don't have kids. Yeah. <laughs> you do not yeah. have kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I'm sure an entirely different thing. Yeah. One that I just don't even have experience with. And, and we're still even trying to just implement our, our own yeah. practices around this yeah. stuff. So the focus on the kids, though, the time you spend is so awesome. I mean, that's just such a, an important thing, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's really the only time that they 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 get us. So I try. It's like, and that's not every day. Sometimes I'm on my phone and I see text messages and notifications and like, oh, a cool article came out or, oh, someone has a question about our bracelet or oh, something happened on Facebook and, you know, you get, sometimes you get unfocused, but we try our best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, life is lived in the, um, what's the word? In the, in the chance moments, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't structure everything. You structure everything. You're going to miss out on all the, the fun surprises. Yes. For us that there has to be this balance. Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know if, if your husband and uh, you have this balance as, as well. I think a lot of the times opposites attract in a lot of ways. And so um, with Amy and I, I tend to be very like here now, Amy is doing a lot of like the planning in terms mm -hmm. of the, the, the forward thinking stuff. And I'm more in like the, okay, what's now in here. And we're trying to find that balance between me being more structured in mm -hmm. terms of that and, and then, but also being in the moment, but yeah. having structure in our days so that we can actually have that framework so that we can just like leave and go on a bike ride for an hour and go get some exercise yeah. without just sitting here and letting the whole day go. Yep. So it is, it's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I, yeah. I do think we definitely, Samir and I are, are opposites in a sense. Like he's more, I would say practical. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm probably a little bit more like, yeah, like dreaming. Um, but it works. Yeah. He grounds us and I, you know, I'm like the balloon and he's the, the basket, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it helps. It's, it, it works for us. And I think I like that even analogy our, too. our home dynamic is like our work dynamic is different and our home dynamic is different. And that also works for us. And I think that actually helps us sort of delineate between the two. Like sometimes we get asked, how is it working together as husband and wife? And I don't know. It's weird. I don't think of him as my husband at work. I think of him as, you know, my, my working partner or, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like a, something that I'm just able to, to do is just, I work with you when I'm here. Yeah. Not to say that. And, but then at home we like sit on the couch and we work and it's still, you know, I don't know. So you actually, you're leaving the house to go to an yeah, office? Yeah, we have an office. The, okay. Yeah, we have an office just 10 minutes away from home. But for a while, we were working out of coffee shops and the house and stuff. Yeah. Do but, you have Do you have any tips? Because Amy, Amy and I started working together fully in October of this last year. You can probably see <laughs> that our desks are right next to yep, each other. That's how ours Right here at home. Yeah. And... And that has been a journey in itself of working with your partner and one that work consistently just like, this is not time. We can't be laying in bed, staring at the <laughs> ceiling, being like, what else can we add to the member community right. to, to help make it more valuable to like, yeah, instead of just trying to fall asleep yeah. or like just have that off time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Samir yells at me all the time. He's like, <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. You cannot have these conversations with me. Like, <laughs> then I don't sleep for another hour. I'm like, sorry. Right. But this is, this is a good idea. Let's talk about it right Sometimes now. Sometimes <laughs> you just have to say it, right? I, I totally yeah. uh, so relate to that. Now I just write stuff down in my notes, like on my phone. Um, and I try. And we've actually, since moving, we now have an office space in our house. So now we don't take the computers to bed anymore. And we finish what we're doing downstairs. And then we go upstairs. So it's been actually super helpful in, you know, cutting off. Like, we do not talk about work anymore. Um, we also sleep at different times. So sometimes because one of us has to wait, stay up late and get something done. Um, so that actually kind of helps a little bit because then everyone's drifting off to sleep without any added interruption. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like Samir and I sit like this together too um, and our desks are L-shaped and yeah, like his papers always come on my side and I'm just like... (laughs) you know keep your shit on that side (laughs) and i have my own like row of papers and i'm just flooded with mess and it's just all ideas and ideas and ideas and who who is gonna have time to actually go and sift through and find those golden nuggets that may be sitting in a pile of 600 sheets of paper not me but Mm -hmm. i think i'm a hoarder in that sense an idea hoarder an idea hoarder and a paper hoarder a notes hoarder what your do you happen to know your Myers Briggs? I uh, don't type. No. Yeah, because yeah. is that like the ENT? Yeah, ENTJ, oh. ENFP. I I am an ENFP, which is okay. the extroverted, intuitive thinking instead of more uh, laying out the you know okay. laying out the lines and being like, oh, let's make a decision based on this. I go with my gut because it, it's always yeah based on my collective experience yeah. right? those sorts of things and i'm just hearing a resi- yeah. kind of a resonance yeah. in some of these things with you samir's as well. always like well where's the data right what what we can look at the data to, to see if that's a good idea and i'm like i just kind of feel like it is oh i don't know gosh. i can't yeah. explain it let's yeah. just do it and see <laughs> that was one of the things i had trouble with in various jobs mm-hmm. um in my last job my my boss was a great guy um and he was a retired attorney. He was a litigation attorney. And so if you can imagine me being the marketing director, uh, being an intuitive thinker mm-hmm. that that just has a gut instinct. Yeah. And I know that for so many people, be like, that's ridiculous. I need to see the data, right? And that was yeah. his kind of position. It was, if we're going to do these marketing things, I need to see the 10 bullet points on each as to yeah. why statistically this is going to work. And all I knew is that I had done startups, <laughs> I had done other jobs, I had done lots of other things, and my collective experience was just telling me that yeah. this is the way we need to engage with people. Yeah. And I couldn't. And it was for three years, it was like this constant thing of me having to try to adapt to something mm-hmm. that I was not inherently, fun- I, I didn't function that way. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's uh, it was tough. Yeah, it's hard, but it also does challenge you to question, okay, is this a good idea? Right. Or at least challenge, it's challenged me to at least present my ideas a little more thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. So maybe I may not have the data to back it up, but I can at least point to why I think it's going to work or rather than just like splurting out an idea. I think maybe that's where like husband and wife kind of comes in is we're okay with pushing each other a little bit and like um, challenging each other in that way. Yeah, my life keeps coming back to the, the the answer of balance because absolutely it's wonderful to use the data to do this. And and absolutely when I was in my probably early twenties, 
I did a lot of things on a whim and I did a lot of things just kind of because my gut was telling me and some of them didn't go well. Some of them did go well, but, but finding the balance now, now in my old age of the early thirties, uh, (laughs) finding the balance between that, like rational, slow, here's the data points, present it in the best way I can. Exactly. Like you're saying, um, I've, I've really deeply learned that too it's really helpful to yeah. have that balance so. you need both right mm-hmm. if you're gonna do anything anything in life you kind of need to take the rational approach and the emotional po- approach and understand you have to meet in the middle right i mean everything even as we talk with investors and stuff there's always this rational component of let's see the financial projections and let's see this and let's see that but then we get to telling our story and how we grew up and how we got to this point of what we're building and how many people we're helping and sharing anecdotes. And you know that the emotion is coming into play, but as an investor, you can't ever really like acknowledge that, or you may not even see it. You may just be blind to it um, where you just think you're thinking rationally. And I think that's everyone, everyone thinks they're thinking rationally, but you're influenced by emotion day in and day out. I know you said you moved into a new house recently and you played men's game the minimalist game yeah uh, leading up to the move what was that like it was pretty fun so i don't know if i did it to the t in terms of day one one thing day two two things day five five things but i use that as a good excuse to purge yeah. and to get rid of stuff and for a long time i had held on to so like i still had stuff from high school I lived in New York. That stuff has traveled with me seven years ago <laughs> to the middle of the country. And I'd never opened these boxes. Like there were boxes where we were living before that we just never opened because there was no room. Now we're moving into a big house, bigger house, and now there's room. So now I'm going through all these boxes and I'm just like it's a time machine. It's a, or a, a time capsule. Time capsule, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. And it's really cool. Like I found my high school yearbook and all this other stuff but it had to be at that point i had to we had i can't can't live with so much stuff anymore so Mm -hmm. it's been it's been fun playing the purge game and i still have everything in the garage to go to donation but a couple of things that i did that actually helped me really well was i put the box in my closet and i put stuff in it and then I didn't go, you know, sifting through three months later. So I knew, okay, I'm I'm done with it. And a lot of the stuff that I was holding on to, I was holding on to it more so for the emotional attachment, for the memories that I had with it. Like all this clothing that after two kids, there's no way I can fit into, but it was from my study abroad days in Spain. And so I had like all this cool Zara and mango stuff before anyone else knew what Zara and mango were because, you know, they were not in the U.S. until much after I had done that program. But I can't fit into that anymore. And I just, I had to let go. I kept two things that now I look at and I just remember those memories. Yeah. But I, everything else, and I had read once, there was this book that came out a while ago about how to declutter and how to, you know, look at the item and say, okay, does it bring me joy? The life-changing joy of tidying up by Marie Kondo, yes. So that really, I never read the book, but I read like, the blogs that summarize the book. Yep. <laughs> and yep. so, but from that, I just, that's what I did. I just looked at it and I said, does this bring me joy? Yes or no? If it was a yes, I put it in a maybe pile because <laughs> that was getting too high. 
And then that was a good way to just help me purge. And then doing it with my kids stuff was a hell of a lot easier because it's just so much junk toys that we get just you just keep collecting and mm -hmm. every birthday it's more stuff. So trying to separate out things that can actually go to friends or things that can go to donation or things that maybe I can sell and get some money, but who has time for that? So one day it'll probably just all go mm -hmm. out the door. Do you have advice for uh, um, any other parents in terms of the kids stuff? Because I know you said there's just, you collect toys. Yeah. And I know that that's been a particularly hard part and one that I'm not qualified to answer. Yeah. So um, do you have any thoughts I've on that? I've been trying to be mindful of the types of toys that we bring into the house. A lot of the stuff that I'm like, yeah, let's go buy that are toys that I wanted when I was a kid. Yeah. So we have like Perfection and Etch-A-Sketch and like a couple of these other like retro toys cool that, yeah um but i'm trying to also focus on toys that have some sort of benefit so like perfection is motor skills and same with that just sketch hand-eye coordination you know just trying to be mindful about that i'm also trying not to do things with a lot of little pieces like legos are the only thing <laughs> because otherwise it's such a beast to clean up yeah and he's got his train sets but i haven't gotten him into cars and stuff because Again, that's like a war zone if you step on that stuff. Um, but he, it was just his birthday, so he asked for a couple of things. One was like a logic game. He goes to a Waldorf school, so they're very focused on outdoor play and creative play. Hmm. So I got him these clips so that he can, these wooden clips so that he can clip um, like drapes and bed sheets and stuff to create stuff. Like yeah. he's actually a pretty inventive, creative kid, so I want. I feel like less is more and he just shines in those moments and he loves to read. So books are like the one thing that you want a book, I'll buy you a book. Um, because I also get bored of reading the same books over and sure. over. <laughs> sure. And we do a lot of library. Like last year for his birthday, we did library books. We said, bring us a library book, give us the receipt so I know when to return it by. And it was awesome because we got like 30, 40 books Books, most of them we've never, I would have never chosen for him to pick up and they were really fun. Yeah. And it was, you know, his friends suggesting, but like, it was just really a good experience. He was a little mad, like, why am I not getting real toys for my birthday? And this year we're trying to do experiences. So I set up a website with different things and activities here in Minneapolis and you click on a picture and then the parent can send me an email saying like, I want to go to the library with you and Yash one day. So trying to create memories with his friends instead of another piece of junk, essentially. But so, with his, so you built a website yeah. that other friends of yours... Yeah, so I sent like the parents for with the invitation for the birthday, I sent parents the link to the website saying, you know, for gifts this year, we, we request the gift of time click on this website, there's like 30 or 40 things that I chose. Samir looked at it and was like, you basically just built Kid Around again, didn't you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Um, hey, usually you yeah, have. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, like Minneapolis Institute of Art, Snapology, this art place, this, you know, let's just play in a park, let's do a house play date, let's do a dinner date. Um, and then, yeah, some of the parents actually have sent an email saying, hey, let's do the library or let's do Edinburgh Park. or, And it's, you know, a little self-serving because now I have some play dates planned, <laughs> but it's super helpful. And it's a way for us to celebrate our kids and say, look, we're doing this because you're turning five, your friend was turning five this year, 
and we want to give you guys the opportunities to to make solid connections with each other that's amazing not only just because you kind of created that to do this thing but but i know when i look back on my life there are a few toys that i remember but what i really remember the most fondly are the the things that revolved around time spent yep and by things i don't mean things at all i just mean the the moments the time the experiences as a kid i just did not care about the quality of place we were all these things you go back as an adult you're like wow this this place is not that nice (laughs) but you just don't care as a kid yeah Uh, none of those things matter and you go do this thing and it's just everything so that's really cool and and i just encourage people to just try to focus things around those experiences because that's what kids remember at least from my own personal experience having been a kid at one point yeah Yeah. i mean that's you remember the memories right like i remember playing monopoly with my friends in their basement but like it was the it wasn't the playing of the game it was the camaraderie around it right Mm -hmm. even with the grandparents i've asked them think about what you can do with them so my mom came once with like an arts and crafts thing that she sat with my son and did together. And mm. like, okay, like that's cool. Cause at least you're getting time together, um, which I really like. Yeah. One of my favorite things was when I was about 11, my older brother helped me build my first PC. So oh, cool. this was back, you know, now 22 years ago, but, but we bought the case and went through the the process of buying all these different parts. And it was a 200 megahertz processor uh cyrix i think was the chip company back then 200 megahertz which like phones are (laughs) 10 times better if not more than that now but just that process it wasn't even the computer the computer was a cool part of it but it was the process of spending the time with him building Mm -hmm. this computer together and just being a part of that yeah uh, that really made it learning about something together very awesome Yeah. yeah that's so cool What does creativity mean to you? Wow. It's a great question. I think creativity is just individuality, kind of pie-in-the-sky thinking. Um, It's funny because I never really thought I was creative, or I thought I was creative, but then I went to advertising school and was like, oh, no, I'm not creative. (laughs) Because the minds and the people that I met there were just like, wow, such talent. And that was actually one of the things that has been a huge confidence issue for me is Mm. that lack of creativity. Um, I think part of the reason Kid Around, another reason it didn't get off the ground as quickly as it could have or should have was because of my inability to get creative with it, if that makes sense. Like I just didn't have the confidence that I could do this. I didn't have the, even though I had gone to school for kind of design and creative thinking and even as a kid, you know, I would play office, but then the other thing I would do is I was really into arts and crafts and scrapbooking and like everything that I, everything that you do as a child, you should really, really take note of because it's you telling you what you should be doing as an adult. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think creativity is about individuality. It's about pie in the sky thinking. It's about just doing things that are different. Not necessarily, not to be different, but just thinking in different ways and critical thinking too, right? Like our schools today are not teaching that 
and we're failing our kids today. I remember my cousin who grew up in India, like he would be able to recite the nine times table, like just wrote. That's how they were taught. They're taught to just, you know, like memorize, recite, memorize, and memorize. Yeah. And that's what we're doing to our kids. Like we're just, you must know this, you must know that, but you're not taught to think critically. Like, and we see are seeing a lot of issues in the world because of that, because people are not questioning, is this the right thing to do? I may be getting paid by this company that's telling me to do this thing, but is it the right thing to do? Is this the right way to solve the problem? And I think that's where creativity comes in. Asking yourself, is this the way to solve the problem? Or even asking, you know, I challenge my five-year-old and like, he's got a problem. Like, well, how would you solve it? You know, what's five ways? And he's done, he just comes up with stuff on his own. Like there was one day we're at the the back of our house at the garage and um, I was coming in and he was standing right there and I almost like hit him because I didn't know he was there and I was on the other side and he was like, mama, you know, we should put a doorbell or we can put a window or we can, you know, or you could have knocked like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, these are all great ideas of ways to make sure that if someone's standing there, they don't get smashed on the way when someone else is coming in. And how do you, but you have to teach it. Creativity is not something you're born with. It's something you develop. It's something you practice. It's something you have to push yourself to learn how to do. I always wonder about the school system in my, I I have been very open uh, about just me struggling through public school in, in a lot of ways. Uh, it was things like Spanish and mm-hmm. choir and uh, basically the, the, the things that were not the core curriculum right. yeah. that kept me engaged, mm-hmm. kept me really there yeah. showing up yeah. and, and got me through it really. Yeah. And which is why whenever schools are quick to drop arts and, and other yeah. programs like that, it's, it's, uh, Obviously, I was very privileged to go to a big school that had those things, but but it's always stressful for me to hear because so for sad. so many yeah. band, music, things like that are what is keeping kids yeah. engaged that's active the with this stuff. So that's where data needs to come into play to show the importance of music and art as um, these are the pathways to creativity, right? Mm-hmm. These are the ways that the brain waves get strengthened for creativity. It's really sad to see that those are the first budgets to get cut because that's where kids are learning how to be creative and they're and they're taking what they're learning and it's all subconscious, right? You can't really like like you're not recognizing the beauty and the magic and the math in all of that. But it's translating to being in science class, being in math class, being in English class, being in you know all these other things which are the core that yeah, you need to learn, but Without this other part, your soul is not fed. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. And I'm like you, I'm very grateful to have gone to a what I call a public-private school because it was in a really great place and that's my parents doing to push themselves to, to move to this town. And I'm very lucky to for us to be able to send our son to a school where he's getting a lot of that creative outlet Right now, at his young age, this is that this is what kids need to be learning: is how to play together, how to socialize, how to talk, how to deal with 
you know, fights on their own, how to share, not ABC one, two, three, like that can come later Mm -hmm. or that can come at home. Like when you're around kids, your age, that's the learning, how to be human, how to be kind, how to be a good person in society. Because if all you're learning is ABCD, you're not learning that there is more to your life and that you have a purpose. And if you don't believe that you have a purpose, you're going to go on to just follow some anything, you know? That ties in directly with Break the Twitch with attention and something mm-hmm. I've been reading a ton about and researching and, and, and just really digging into right now. The whole theme of Break the Twitch is minimize distractions, do more of what matters. Yeah. And if we don't choose what that means actively, someone else is going to choose for us mm-hmm. and and it will be easy for them to do yeah. so. And so it's a big thing to tackle. It's a big thing to say, all right, my only challenge is to work with the world, work with myself, to live with purpose and yeah. and do what matters most to them so that we can all be showing up in, in the best way yeah. for the people we love, for ourselves, for for the ways that we help others. It's, a, it's big and it feels overwhelming, but to me, this is feeling like where I need to go, what, what needs to happen. That's awesome. I mean, it's so needed, right? Because for so long, people are told what to do, right? And they're not thinking about, well, is this what I want? I mean, even, even in our Indian culture, like you're, if you're not going into business or going into medicine, people look at you funny, right? Mm. Like I told my mom, I studied accounting, I did my CPA and I wanted to, like that was my choice. I I fell into it in high school and I really liked it and I thought it would be a great career and it was enjoyable to me at the time, but something was missing. And so when I said I want to go back to school for advertising and creative creative strategy, like she kind of looked at me like, what? What am I going to tell my friends? <laughs> but... At some point, you have to say, I'm not going to be confined to these norms of you can only do this, you can only do that. Like, just because your dad is a teacher does not mean you have to be a teacher. Like, if your passion lies elsewhere, you have to follow it because that's the only way you're going to be happy or successful. Mm-hmm. And I love that phrase you said, minimize distraction, follow your purpose. Do more of what matters. Do more of what matters, It's yeah. the same thing. I yeah, mean, that's, in a lot of ways. that's exactly it. We live in such bombarded world and even you know with Kitteron and and habit aware it was it was distraction it was how do i can't do it all you have to you have to like be willing to let go of other things you love so that new things you love can come into your life it's even even love itself right if you're hung up on a breakup new love can't come but but once you let it go that's when the doors can open to meeting the man that you marry who then becomes your partner in a company that's helping millions of people. Like there are so many things in my, like looking back to build this bracelet, it has been 37 years in the making, Hmm. not just three years. It's insane. And my father died of cancer when I was 17. And that also was a catalyst for this. I'm sorry. No, that's... But it's through his illness that I met my best friend 
who then years later introduced me to this random guy who was moving down to Miami at the same time that I was leaving accounting to go to advertising school in Miami. And all of this stuff, like if you just look back on your life, your life is telling you something and you can find what it is. It's just, I just think it's been magical. But I, you also have to kind of be a little like, believe in that stuff, right? Like if you don't believe that you have a purpose and if you don't believe that the universe or in a higher power that's trying to guide you, like, yes, you have a stake in your fate, but some things are written. I've seen these things just everywhere. And I do believe that when you focus on the possibility, when you focus on the uh, the do be, mm -hmm. be do have concept of the world is working for me, yeah, not against me, yeah. or this isn't happening to me, right. this is happening for me. What was your first glimpse of that in your life? And, and what do you think led you to, is this something that you're born with or is this something that people establish? Again, it's something you can learn. You can learn to have faith and understanding that there is something else going on in your life. If you're willing and open, just like with wearing a bracelet and learning awareness, if you're willing and open to do that hard work of then learning to replace the behavior, if you're willing and open to do the hard work of looking at what your belief structure is and entering, allowing the thought that yes, maybe I am guided by something higher and it doesn't have to be God. It doesn't have to be the universe. It doesn't have to be, you know, a Buddhist chant, it could be a rock. Like you could pick this glass and say, this glass is my higher power. And I'm going to just consult this glass whenever I have an issue and get it off my chest and put it out there and let it help me like de-stress and think about what's going on instead of mulling over it and over and over and over. And you get locked in your brain. But if you can open up and allow yourself, and I have no clue how, it's taken me a long time to get here, but I've, I've been spiritual for a lot of my life. I don't I have a religion. I go to church. I was sent to vacation Bible school when I was a kid. We're Hindu by practice, but I do Buddhist chanting. I do, I mean, you know, yoga, meditation, those are from our culture. So they're things that just naturally kind of come to to part of my practice mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i think the the bible has some beautiful words in it the quran has beautiful words in it the mahabharata has beautiful words in it but at their core it's all be a good human and i don't understand why people can't understand <laughs> that <laughs> it's that's it do good to others good will come to you that's the golden rule that you don't need religion to understand you don't need you don't need you know, faith in the way that our culture has construed it. You just need faith in something, faith in yourself that, yeah, I can change. I can, I can find what my purpose is. I can let it find me. And in some sense, you kind of have to do that. You have to kind of go down these wrong paths because they are actually the branches that get you to the right path. Mm -hmm. You have to go through accounting. You have to go through that breakup. You have to go through, you know, a new school you have to go through all this stuff to get to the person that you're becoming and you kind of like you said i love that line i've just recently heard it somewhere else dr shafali forget her last name um 
but she said, yeah, you're, you, there are people that think of life as happening to you. So you're combative with it. Like, why did my dad get sick? Why did this happen? To why me? did this yeah. happen to me? Why do I have hair pulling disorder? Why do I have blah, blah, blah? Why don't I have X, Y, Z? And then there's people that think life is happening for me. What can I learn from this? What can I take from this? What gift is this pain trying to bring me? It brought me a best friend. It brought me a husband. It brought me to Minneapolis. It brought me to this tech community. It brought me to build this device. It brought me to help hundreds of thousands of people. You have to be open to that. Well, it's challenging to see, especially when things are tough or things are happening that are often beyond control. Yeah. To see that. But I, bl oh, I believe that 100%. It's so tough. My father died when I was 17 and I went off to college. For those four years, I was depressed as hell and i drank those four years away mm. so it's not like oh i just knew this oh this it's is all taken, for me like this oh my is gosh, taking yeah. me i'm 37 now right. so seven it's taken me 20 Jeez. years to get to the point where i'm like he didn't die he's still here you know mm. it's gotten me that like it's taken a really long time but time does heal if you allow it to if you work at it if you write about it, if you acknowledge it, if you talk about it, if you really try to understand the why, not lament about it, but understand what is this purpose? What is its purpose? What am I supposed to do with this? Mm -hmm. That's where kind of the Dr. Carol Dweck has done research on the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset right? in children, right? You tell a child that they are intelligent versus you tell a child that they are learning to be intelligent or, you know, very like fixed characteristics versus, oh, you worked really hard at that. Right. And just the shift of how you speak to a child can help them grow and understand that not everything is so linear that, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes and mistakes are okay and you don't have to be perfect, but that's how you are going to grow and you will better yourself. If you're told right at the beginning, you're never going to be a doctor well yeah okay let me just cross that off the list let me let someone else tell me what i'm gonna be like hell no for 20 years 30 years i've done that not anymore you cannot you cannot even now my son just the other night said mama am i a good boy as we're going to bed and i'm like well you know i mean he's gonna i'm his parent he's going to to take in whatever I tell him. If I tell him he's a bad kid, he's going to internalize that and he's going to be bad. But if I tell him he's a good kid, he's going to, he is a good kid. I told him, well, what do you think? Are you a good kid? And he's like, most of the time, but sometimes when I do blah, 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 I'm not so great. I'm like, yeah, but that's okay. You recognize that and you know, and you're five, like yeah. you're, you're learning. So yeah, I mean, other people need to take stock of who they are, not let others tell them who they are. In a world of internet and everyone having an opinion about everything, how can we step into that? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a huge Other challenge. Other shutting it out yeah. completely, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. huge challenge, right? You're on Snapchat, and I don't use it, but you know, I mean, I've heard that kids go on these different online forums or Snapchat and this and that, and they're getting bullied and they're getting... And they're also, you know, making connection. They're also building their friendships. They're keeping their streaks going. And it's it's also fun. But at the end of the day, it's still very ego-driven, right? It's yeah. 
look, I'm on vacation with my family and I'm doing this and, you know, kind of this one-upping each other. So it's still competitive in a sense. And I think, I don't know, I think the whole, who knew that these devices were going to damage us so badly? Mm-hmm. Like people don't realize what's happening. And because so much of it is easily, freely accessible, it just makes it even worse. And no one gets that. No one gets that we are the product. Yeah. That our attention is what's paying for all this. That ad- like people get so mad that there's advertising and stuff, but not in the same way that television did or radio did. Like if you watch TV and you watch the and you listen to the radio, it's just it's standard understanding that okay, I'm going to get a commercial every now and again. But on Facebook or on Twitter or on any of these other platforms, you get so pissed off when you get interrupted mm-hmm. with something you don't want to be looking at. Right. Yet we're paying nothing yeah. for the billions in costs to yeah. run these services. Exactly. Right. I, I think about this a lot and it's part of the reason I subscribe to Netflix mm-hmm. because there's no ads and yep. you pay for the content basically. Yep. It's also why I mentioned the member community earlier for Break the Twitch is a monthly contribution basically to help this yeah. keep going. But yeah, I also it's... get to not have ads on my website. Yeah. Not and the big one for me is so far not doing sponsored posts or sponsored uh content where basically a company would come in and be like okay we'll give you this money and then you write an article about us i'd rather just be working for the people that want to work on themselves in this way right Mm -hmm. so it's it's tricky and the, the attention thing is that i am coming back to right now keeps coming back to this idea of like if companies are willing to pay us for our attention why are we not valuing it in the same way mm-hmm. and because it's mm-hmm. much more valuable than yeah. a few cents per click or per moment yeah. right what can happen in the periods if we have longer periods of focus where we direct our attention towards things yeah and how we spend that attention right how we spend that time and how we sp- like we can be doing such amazing things if we weren't i mean last night i spent an hour just looking at dumb videos when i should have been working or i should have been i don't know sleeping or doing one of my art projects that i wanted to be doing should but is a tough word should is really yeah, but, a bad word <laughs> but, I, but i hear you yeah but I hear yeah you. but yeah i mean it's really hard but sometimes you just need a break and mm-hmm. it that's that's it that's the that's what they've done is they've they've that idea of sometimes you just need a break is what they've these companies have relied on mm-hmm. and it's become so stressful seeing stuff that you need a break but your go-to for the break is seeing more of that just stuff add more and more it's and more still, stuff it's like right. a vicious cycle again do you have any particular speaking of that do you have any particular habits or or like just little things you do to help you stay focused day to day yeah um so i think one of the big things that i do is i try whether it's late after you know at the end of the day trying to do the to-do list for the next day okay yeah um so i try to do that as often as i can or i do it in the morning like right before so i'll write down okay you know like today this morning's literally was 9 30 drop my son to camp 10 30 get in the car and come here um you know, when I get back, I, I know the few things that I need to, to get focused on. I'll probably check email, which will be another, you know, hour or two 
just circling, going, kind of getting lost, but I've, I've actually tried to stay away from it. I don't know, somehow I'm getting a little bit better about not checking email every five minutes and staying focused. Yeah. The days that I do the best are when I put a Google timer on for however long I want to focus on something and then classical music on YouTube or I'll search for, you know, music for creativity or music for concentration or music for, I don't know, peace or whatever. It's all probably the same video that comes <laughs> up, but it just helps me, you know, block out everything else that's going on around me. And then I have a set 45 minutes that I'm working on something and then I'll go hear the beep on the timer and then I'll go check email for 10, 15 minutes as my break. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I don't do that enough, but that really helps me. I do something very similar yeah. too. I, especially when getting into the, the, the editing of these mm -hmm. hour long podcasts or things like that, I need, I just put on my headphones and just try to zone in for that set period yeah. of time so that it just goes so much faster yep. when you're able to do that. Yeah. I listen to on Spotify, there's a playlist called Gold. I think it's called Gold Coast Beats. Okay. And it's all hip hop backbeats with oh, no lyrics. Cool. So it just has that kind of rhythmic kind of vibe to it. And I really, cool. I really like it. And I end up listening to that a lot during those periods because sometimes I can tune out words without having yeah. too big of an issue, but it's nice if it just doesn't yeah. have any words in it too. That's cool. So what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to these days? Um, we just have a lot going on. We just received a research grant for Keen as to kind of improve and optimize the tool that we've built and then actually prove um, validation that it it's effective for mm. the disorders that we're helping treat. So hair pulling, skin picking, nail biting, which all have mental health conditioned names to them. Hair pulling is trichotillomania. Skin picking is dermatillomania. Nail biting is anechophasia, I think. Mm. Um, and then that umbrella disorder is called body-focused repetitive behaviors. And that can be anything like that, that you know, like the cheek biting or... There's like other things, nose picking. There's other things that have like smaller uh, levels of instances. But our that's kind of the big thing that we're working on is building out the app to accommodate for this grant, what we're going to be doing to basically prove that it, you know, we know it's working because we have people writing in on a daily basis saying, you're changing my life. I've become aware and I'm not pulling or I'm not picking as much and my skin's clearing up and my ball spots are growing in so we have that anecdotal evidence but to get um to be working with a expert in the field to do research to say yeah this is effective and we're building it in a way that incorporates evidence-based treatments that you would do with a psychologist um one to either do it on your own or to actually enhance if you are working with a therapist because sometimes it's, you can't find a therapist that understands these behaviors but if you are working with one, then we can make that treatment all the more effective. So we're getting there. And that's what's super exciting is it's always kind of con continuous improvement. Like you're never done. Um, and then just trying to grow as big and as fast as we can because we know that there's so many people out there that we can help mm -hmm. with these issues that, again, like at their base level, it's sort of like, oh, well, like why is like why does that matter? But when you really dig into and you understand what it's doing to the person, you know, they can't go to school, they can't get an education, then they can't 
they may not have the confidence to go to a job interview, which means now they're on government assistance. And it's it's not just an individual issue. It's an economic issue. It's a health insurance issue. It's causing lots of money to flow in the wrong directions, in my opinion, yeah. when it could be going to help these people preempt these behaviors, build their confidence, build their abilities, and really just go and do what they're meant to do in the world. Like that is every what everyone's journey should be is to, f what is that adversity that you are dealing with, whether it's a mental health condition or, you know, poverty or whatever it is, there's gotta be a way to just like push through. And there's people that want to help you. There's people that don't want to help you, but there are people that want to help you. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Like there's a lot of issues where, it's hard. It may not be in your lifetime, but it may be whatever work you do is going to help that next generation. Whatever that generation does is going to help one. You know, I mean, it's all in time. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. Yeah. It's uh, the biggest change always comes with just slow, consistent yeah. steps uh, about that, about that stuff. Always. <laughs> it's frustrating. It's frustrating because sometimes you don't see the change, right? It's not going to, it may not happen in your lifetime or you may step back or, you know, or your generations after you may step back, but you have to just be willing to give it the shot that you can rather than just being resolved to this is my fate. Mm -hmm. Like You have a choice mm -hmm. despite all of the push that may be coming on you to say no you don't have a choice or to block your path there's still a choice and there are people you just have to find them you have to be open to receiving them like that's one of the prayers each night that i do is you know grant me the ability to see the people in my life that are there to help me and those that i should be helping too right wow. like it's not it's it's a give and a take i may help you one day but I shouldn't expect you to help me back. I should just know that that will come back to me in some way. That whole pay it forward mentality. If I yeah. help someone, they'll go on to help someone, they'll go on to help someone, and that's how we all grow a little bit. But it's not a circle. It's not. No, it, it's not. It's, or it's not, it's like not a, an interaction. It's not an, an even exchange. exchange, right? Yeah, it's not an exchange. 100%. Yeah. 100%. In my life, the best things have come from strangers from strangers yeah. and from l literally just helping without expectation yep. uh it, just the best things in my life have yeah. come from just helping without expectation i met amy because of a, some someone i was helping without expectation of return yeah it's i saw just, the oh. video of you two um i was listening to that and that's yeah i mean you just don't know right and it is a little self-serving. I mean, I help people because I know that it's going to come back to me. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. In I mean, one way or another, selfish, right? right? In one way or another. Like when I volunteer or when I just do go out of my way to try to help someone, I know it's coming back to me. It is a little selfish. It is a little self-serving. But that's okay. That's okay. I don't think that that's bad. That's a good good selfish in my opinion. I agree fully. So Nilo, where can people find you online? My online home is our company website, which is habitaware.com. And habitaware is also our handle for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So Perfect. super easy. So habitaware.com. Yep. And I'll put a link to that in the description of the cool. video and Thanks. the podcast notes as well. Awesome. Perfect. So I think it is time to 
pull a question oh, from okay. the question All vessel. Right. If you want to, you can dump them out and select one, but these are questions that have been submitted or left by other okay. other guests. So if you want to pull one and give it a I'm shot. Go with this blue is my favorite color. Yeah, there you go. And it matches your... Uh, it matches yeah. a little bit, pretty close. There you go. Ooh. What's something you'd like to become better at? Oh, easy. I wish I was a better parent. Um, there's definitely times where, you know, the day gets to you and sometimes stepping on a toy or something happens and way too much anger comes out for some little, little thing that a five-year-old or a one-year-old has done. So learning to control that, I think would be nice learning to, I, don't get me wrong. We have our beautiful days and our beautiful moments and, um, there's something to be learned in all of that. And that's what I need to learn is how do I try and be the one to diffuse the situation? Sometimes I'm the one that acts like the child sometimes when we're, you know, combating. Um, so how do I try and, yeah, just be better at that and recognize, it's, again, it's awareness. It's how do you recognize in the moment that this is not the way to handle the situation? Um, you know, yelling and, and there's day, there's moments where I'm on the ball and I get down to his level and I talk to him sweetly. And then there's moments where I'm just like, ah, just, ah, you just have to scream. Yeah. <laughs> but how can I have more of those better moments where I can calm down, I can reset. And those are skills that I'm trying to teach him, I'm trying to teach him to take three deep breaths when he's getting upset, I'm trying to teach him to walk away from a toy when he can't figure out how it works to give himself a moment to reset and then try again. And so I need to practice what I preach, right? Yeah, we all do. So yeah. that he gets it, right? He's yeah. learning from us. Like he, he is a copy, like he's a copy of me. <laughs> <laughs> I will hear him say things that I have said to him and I'm just like, oh my God so obnoxious like what did i just teach him you know and so how do i get better at that like how do i get better at that mm -hmm. so yeah that's a great answer we all we all need work around those things we it's, all need work but that's that's the beauty of life it's constant continuous improvement continuous right? there's always something you can be better at mm-hmm well, thank you so much for sharing thank all of this you. today. And I, it was a pleasure to have you. It was so fun. Thank you. As always, I'd love to share something that really inspired me from this conversation with Anila. But first, as I'm sure you've heard before and you probably know, reviews are essential to getting the word out about podcasts like this one. So if you use Apple Podcasts, I would greatly appreciate a review, especially if you've been enjoying this podcast. Thank you so much for doing that if you do take a moment to do so. One of the things that really hit home for me in my discussion with Anila was simply the idea of showing up. The idea of doing things for others without an expectation of return. Just volunteering your time or doing things to help people achieve whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. Now, this is something where you might need to find some balance or set some boundaries around what you're willing to give away, what you're willing to show up and do on a regular basis, because I have heard stories of people that take advantage of those types of situations when you're willing to show up and just kind of see what happens. 
in any kind of relationship, there obviously is going to be back and forth over the long period of time, even if it's not a tangible back and forth. There's some element there where both parties are, are benefiting from a long-term relationship like that. But I do believe that there's something special about people that show up to things without really knowing what's going to happen or just without knowing what they're going to get out of it. There's an openness to it and there's this just general goodwill throughout any group of people that tend to do that. And I saw that evidenced at a camp retreat weekend that I was just speaking at recently where everyone there, a lot of them were there for the first time and didn't really know what it was going to be all about, but everyone was there and willing to show up. And the more and more I see that, the more and more I'm inspired myself to just show up to things and just see what happens. So maybe in your day-to-day -day life, you can find some opportunities to find some balance, or it might be simply showing up for some things, even if you can't see a tangible outcome. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know what's going to happen or what amazing opportunities will come just by going out there and showing up. All right, so if you're listening to this in your favorite podcast player, remember that there are full video versions on YouTube along with tons of other three to five minute videos about all the topics of minimalism, habits, and creativity, all there on the channel that you can check out at youtube.com slash break the twitch. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, you can also grab these audio files through any of your favorite podcast players. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, you can check out breakthetwitch.com slash community to learn how you can support this podcast and keep this thing going in addition to getting a ton of great benefits. So that's all for now. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you in the next one.